the tree care industry has stories and knowledge just waiting to be explored. We'll have a variety of expert guests and innovators from all corners of the industry sharing their stories and extensive knowledge on our show. In this episode of the TCIA podcast, we sit down with Krista Stratting and discuss competition climbing. I'm Joe Riley, and today I'm joined by Amy Tetro and Krista Stratting. Hi. Krista has been a climbing arborist for 11 years. She doubles as part arborist for the city of Mississauga in Ontario, Canada, and part tree climbing instructor for Arboriculture Apprenticeship and Urban Forestry students. Krista currently holds the North American Women's Champion title in tree climbing, winning eight times in Ontario and three times in North America. This is part one of a two-part episode. In this episode, we will be learning about how Krista got her start in competition climbing, what her training routines are like, and what it's like to be a competition climber on the international level. So the first thing that I guess I'm curious about, and I don't know if Amy knows this or not, but how and why did you get into competition climbing? Um, yeah, that's a, a good question. And I have a somewhat decent story that's not quite the same as as some other people's. Um, a lot of people start climbing and working and then find out about the competitions and then just kind of start sort of integrating into that. Whereas my story, um, I have a landscaping background. So I did all sort of garden maintenance, lawn maintenance, that kind of thing. And a friend of mine's husband worked as an arborist and his boss well, they got married. I was in the wedding party. That's kind of how we got introduced. And uh, he knew my background and kind of thought, you know, I, th- I think you'd probably like tree work. And he kind of asked me at the perfect time that I was bored of cutting grass. And uh, he told me about what the job kind of entailed, but he kind of veered off of that almost right away and went into competitions. And he told me all about the competitions and what that all entailed. And basically said to me, he's like, you look you look like you'd be a good climber. He's like, you look like a lot of the climbers that are, that are female that are competing right now. And I didn't really know how to take that. Cause like, I've never seen any of them like uh, Chrissy Spence and Joe Hedger and, and all of them for all I knew, who knows what they look like. So at first I was like, okay, I got to look into this, but it sounds really cool because I am kind of a competitive person already anyway, mostly just doing team sports. But when he said that, when he said that the job would entail climbing and then competing on the side, I was like super stoked. So I looked into it and started working for him and started getting into into competitions right away. How long ago was this? Like 2009. Okay. Yeah. June, June of 2009 is when I first started my first day doing tree work. And then the competition was that following September. So I had the whole summer to kind of learn, learn the ropes (laughs) And uh, yeah, but like other people's stories, what I've, what I've heard, especially like when I, um, I teach at Humber College, the climbing program, and I talk to some of the students there and a lot of them are going to school to try to get their bosses to allow them to climb. Um, I find a lot of people start on the ground and they have to kind of build their way up to become a climber. It's almost like a, a reward to be able to get to climb. Whereas my story, I didn't know any better, but I was in the trees like my first day. Well, not maybe not my first day, but my first week. My boss's, um, I guess his whole idea was to get me competing right away. So I had to climb. So I was fortunate knowing that now, knowing that other people's stories aren't quite the same. But anyway, so yeah, so that September I went to go and compete. And that was back in the day when they only allowed five women to compete at a time. 
and I was number six. <gasps> no way. On the list. I was, like, I was super, I was super bummed, but like secretly kind of happy too, because <laughs> I was kind of like, didn't, I had never seen a competition before. I like sort of read the rule book, but I had no idea what I was doing. And I got there all gung ho and then, um, wasn't able to compete. So then I just watched, but as I was watching, I was like looking at these events, I'm like, okay, I can do that. Okay. I can do that too. Okay. That's a little tricky. I'm going to have to learn that. But most of it, I was like, this is right up my alley and I've done all of these things. I just have to learn how to do them better and faster. So then the following September, um, I joined and I was, I was in and I had a blast just did my best and I ended up winning. So that was really cool. Yeah. And then I just kept doing it and just kept getting better and better. And then when I got to the, to the international level and saw like Josephine Hedger and, and Chrissy Spence, I actually got um, confused by somebody thinking I was Chrissy Spence they came up and hugged me. And I was like, <laughs> Chrissy and Krista, I was like, Oh, maybe you just messed up my name. A lot of times people call me Chrissy or Kristen or something. So I didn't really think about it. And then afterwards I saw Chrissy Spence and I'm like, she does look similar to me. I'm like, that's what my boss is talking about. I'm like, okay, <laughs> it it makes sense. I do look like the climbers, and and then it all started coming together, and yeah, I haven't stopped since. So that's awesome. That's my story of getting into it. Yeah. What was the learning curve like in that first sort of summer when you started in June and then September you went to like your first competition? What did that look like when you were first getting into it? Um, it was a lot of sore muscles. <laughs> um, somebody, somebody once told me that the muscles that you use when you climb a tree are like some of the muscles are ones that you haven't used since you crawled as a baby. Huh. So besides your, your forearms and everything being really sore, there's a lot of like core muscles and muscles like in your, in your back and, and whatnot that you don't typically really use. So getting used to that, um, like I, I was somewhat fit already before from, you know, cutting grass and, and doing that as a, as a somewhat manual labor job, but climbing was completely different um, and dragging brush and lifting wood and stuff. So that was, that was different. That took a bit, but I worked with only guys at the time and they really pushed me, maybe not really knowing it, but myself being competitive by nature, I was kind of like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. So I really pushed myself to make sure that I wasn't the weakest link on the crew. How do you go about practicing for, you know, a climbing competition? Is it, I'm assuming you're not taking time during work because some of it you have to do on your own. So where do you go to do something like that? That's a great question. And I'm sure a lot of competitors will have different answers to that, but um, it kind of, it depends. Uh, when I was first starting out, I didn't practice at all, really. Um, I was climbing a lot at work. At the time, we didn't have a bucket truck, so everything was climbing. Um, and the thought of practicing and, and uh, training was like, why on earth would I do that? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm so tired and sore. And then like on my day off, I just wanted to do something on tree related. <laughs> um, so I would say like my first four or five years, I didn't really train, just worked. Work was was climbing it was training but now I've kind of evolved a little bit where I'm not climbing as much so I kind of have to train to keep up my physical abilities um but then also now knowing the competition a little bit better 
and understanding the rules, you almost need to practice to be able to like fine tune some stuff like, uh, like aerial rescue, for instance, if you're not rescuing somewhere all the time, then how are you going to get good at that? And if you're working somewhere where you are rescuing people all the time, then maybe you're doing something <laughs> wrong. Bigger problems. <laughs> yeah. So like I'll train with that with friends, um, just getting used to like speaking because there's a whole narrative to that event that's awkward and it feels like you're kind of acting and people are judging you and, and there's a lot of pressure. So um, getting used to being able to do that, saying the things that you want to say out loud um, really helps. And then like the ascent event has changed from footlocking. Footlocking, I used to hate it like so much. <laughs> Static footlocking. It was awful. Why? Because it sucks. And it's so bad. <laughs> it's so bad for your body. And I knew I'm like, you know what? It was like I could really train for this and get really good at it. But I had this fear that like there's a good chance that I could really injure myself doing this all the time. And it's really not very ergonomic at all. It's no one does it anymore. And if you do, that's cool, but there's better ways. But now the ascent event has changed to using like mechanical devices and and like all the SRS that's out there. So you're using foot cams and and things and it's actually like it's actually really fun. So I'll practice that and we'll time each other and and try to get just shave two seconds off or if you can and that kind of stuff. So it's a little bit more fun to train now. But yeah, like I don't like to put too much pressure on the training because I find as much as it is as it is like competitive and it's a sport, it's not really to me all about that um, and about winning and beating everybody and getting my best time and this and that. Um, it's more about just making it to that international level and then seeing all my friends and hanging out and learning and taking stuff from, from the competition to take back to work with me. So if I put too much pressure on myself to train, I think it would probably suck some of the fun out of it and make it, make it not, make it work. You know, I don't want it to feel like work. So I, there's a fine line for me anyway. I, I know other people are really hardcore into training and I think it's cool and it's somewhat inspiring, but um, it's not totally my style. Yeah, I was going to ask about that because it seems like there's a pretty like core, um, a core group of you guys sort of, at, you know, at that international level that you guys see each other and you've known each other for a long time. Is, is that accurate? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, and that, that's not just the competitors either. It's it's all the judges and stuff because they seem to be like the competitors and want to keep coming back and be surrounded by that that environment and that family like that's what I consider everybody is my my tree family <laughs> it's like a reunion every year whether it be competitions or like TCIA expo or our own ISA chapter conferences and stuff it's like yeah we go because we want to learn but it's like no I just I want to drink some beers with my buddies and catch up and stuff you know that's what I find at those at those events it's more about that like for me um I've always said to people like they they ask if I'm ever nervous when I compete and typically I'm not it's just kind of like do my best and if I mess something up then oh well hope I don't do that next time kind of thing um but I get the most nervous at my own chapter because if I don't win I can't move on and then I I could go and travel and and see everybody on my own dime kind of thing which isn't a big deal, but to go to that next level as not the representative of my chapter would be weird. And, and so I get really nervous 
in my own in my own chapter to do well enough to to move on that makes sense and what does that look like in your chapter now so I guess like the women's field has changed obviously since that first competition when you said there was only five women that were allowed to compete what does it look like now can you talk us through that a little bit um well for myself being in Ontario it's been awesome um yeah so going from only five and then like there's been a couple of years too where I competed after that where we only had two women like me and one other so as a chapter we recognized that and some of my friends and I were like what can we do to change that because teaching at school I see these women come through the program and I'm like always encouraging them to come and compete but I'm like I know you guys are out there like where are you why aren't you coming and we were getting a lot of like people saying oh it's just not for me like I'm too scared or what's the point Chris is gonna beat me anyway that kind of stuff and I was yeah right so like yeah that's the double-edged sword of of winning all the time is is you kind of scare people away which is I kind of felt like that that sucks what can I do to help that or change that besides not competing anymore um so we created a group um WAO it's called <laughs> Women of Abhor Culture Ontario um and it's just like a group that helps promote and get get women I don't know like out there but also um socializing with each other and connected and then with an emphasis on the climbing competition so not only to like network and whatnot but we want to encourage them to to compete and by doing that, we were hoping to get the numbers up and we did the first year that afterwards. So we have this thing called tree fest every year, um, except for this year because of the stupid COVID, but, um, it's like, it's a climbing day, just one day it's free. Um, it's sponsored by a whole bunch of different people. There's like a barbecue and we set up like mock tree climbing events, ISA style. So these women can come and they can try it out. A lot of us are there so they can ask us questions, they can meet us. And then we we set it up just before the the deadline to to actually sign up to compete. Nice. So they're right they're right close to each other. So smooth. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the idea is that they they leave Tree Fest and they're excited and they're like motivated and they're like, oh Krista's not scary at all. Maybe I can beat her. And then and then so the after the first one. Um, we had 10 women competing with one, yeah, with one on the, on the extra roster to maybe be able to compete if somebody backed out or if one of the guys backed out or whatever. But, uh, yeah, so we had 10, so we were the first chapter ever to have 10 women. And then I think we had that three years in a row of 10 women competing. And then just last year was the first time we had only nine, but still. (laughs) <laughs> it's oh my crazy. god that's awesome yeah so it's definitely helped um get all the women out there and we've like got some pretty good climbers like some good caliber climbers that wow like I'm starting to look at them as like little pro games right and I'm like okay I, I've, I've got to step up my game you know Ontario isn't just a shoe in you know there's there's a lot of good climbers in Ontario and dude that's awesome it's awesome it's really cool That's all for episode one. 
Join us next week for episode two, where we delve deeper into what it means to be empowered, as well as how Crystal works with students and the upcoming future of the industry. To listen to more episodes or to learn more about what we're doing, visit us at podcast.tcia.org.